by alone inside. He's got the breakaway with the touch to the right. Go! Will Kidd with the touch and the goal! It's a go-ahead goal! Minneapolis City! This is the People's Pitch Podcast, the official podcast of your Minneapolis City Soccer Club. Brought to you by Summit Brewing Company. Are you ready to party, carambu, fiesta forever? It is time for the People's Pitch Podcast, the one and only official podcast of your Minneapolis City SC. I am Nate, and I'm joined, as always, by the Lionel to my Richie, John Bizworm. John, do you have anything new to tell the people? Nate, the time has come to raise the roof and have some fun. Throw away the work to be done. And let the music play on, play on, play on. on. Uh, Yes, sir. I do have some news. Um, (laughs) How do I follow that? Just dropping some Lionel Richie lines out there. Um, Yes, I do have some news, Nate. Uh, We welcomed a new addition to the family last week, which is why if anyone was really trying to get a hold of me, I went totally dark for a couple days. Um, There is another heir to the city throne, Frederick Alexander Bisworm, uh, joined us last week. I've been calling him Fab Freddy. which, uh, you know, a little shout out to uh, an 80s rap rap mogul. Um, but he's here. And uh, the thing is, man, the guy already respects the game. What? And I say, th- I say this because he came a week early, but had the total awareness to wait 30 minutes until after I got home from city preseason training last week to come. Yes. So, so something right there tells me that he's, he's doing it right already. That's awesome, man. How would he have known? <laughs> you're gonna have uh you're gonna have two soccer uh, soccer loving kids i think if uh gus is any any indicator well yeah i think like gus will be a six like his dad and i think freddie's gonna be like a like a seven or an 11 like attacking from the wing he's pretty wiry yeah okay um, yeah so you know you gotta have someone for gus to play hollywood balls too either way augustus and frederick two bizworms. the dynasty <laughs> is secured yes Pru- prussia will endure forever congrats <laughs> Uh, that's oh, really thanks, cool. Man. Really thanks, excited. man. Appreciate it. Appreciate it. So we've got hell of a show tonight in celebration of your new child. I'm excited to get to it. Of course, we've got a listener email. Woo! They're coming in hot and heavy now. Uh, fast <laughs> and furious, if you will. Uh, brief signing news. We have a couple of, uh, of new signings or re-signings that we want to announce. And then tonight, we are excited to be joined by a true pioneer, Jonathan Kalura, one of the founders of the new UPSL side, Bug Eaters FC, will be joining us. But John, let's start with our listener email. Yes, Nate. Uh, let's dive in. Uh, the question comes to us uh, from what likely is the only person <laughs> who like actually listens to our show, Bryn, uh, Bryn, Bryn, Bryn Stark. <laughs> Thank you. Um, and it, it's a really good one. Uh, he asks, or he he notes, so John has done some pretty extensive scouting. Uh, thank you very much, Bryn. I appreciate it. Mm, um, and is bringing in some great talent. Also, thank you very much, if I don't mind saying so. Um, very excited to see both Arthur Perrins and Bernard Ashby since I've played soccer with them mm. before. So seems like Bryn's got some soccer chops. Um his question is, um, how engaged was Coach Matt in the process? Uh, and I assume he means the process of uh, developing the roster for the 23s. And he asked, has Matt seen some of these players play before? I'm going to assume that means before they came to trial. 
Yes, or before we sign them. Well, yes. I think I know the answer to these things. Well, why don't you handle this one since you were at all the trials and you are the one that put, brought everybody in, <laughs> yeah, made the guys put pen to paper. Right. Um, so first off, thank you, Bryn. Uh, another great, great question. We seem to have a lot of them. Keep them coming. Also, for everyone else listening, please ask questions. So Bryn's not the only person. Anyone else? <laughs> Anyone? Yeah. Is this thing on? <laughs> uh, so first off, um, the the true answer to the question is um, Matt has been involved in the process. So we actually had to begin the process of developing um, roster targets before Matt came into the fold with us. So we knew we were going to have the team. We had talked to Matt about maybe, you know, joining us uh, and the process had to just kind of run perpendicular to each other. And so I would say out of the, uh, say you, you cut it into a pie, I'd say 80% of the roster Matt is aware of and has seen play and about 20% is players that he um, has not seen play live, but we've seen tape on these guys. Okay. So he's had the ability to, uh, you know, to pick and choose who he wants out of the group. But there was a few people that I did bring in that were almost signed before he, um, he came into the mix, but he has seen all of them. Um, but basically the task that I was given for the 23s was uh, developing a balanced roster. And we went over that last week. So mm-hmm. I, it's there. Um, the The caliber of player was going to be there that we were looking for. So Matt had that input, but um, you know, at the core of it, he, he really was, um, you know, he, he was kind of brought in a little bit later into the process, but um Full, full, all in once he was brought in. Yeah. So a little column A, a little column B. Um, right. You know, there were some guys that he did see at trial and were able was able to evaluate and give input right. on. But for the most part, um, final decision was yours. Correct. Um, I mean, it, it was both of ours. But, right. you know, ultimately the, the decision, uh, whenever it kind of went to, you know, guy A versus guy B, if, if I had seen them and I had more input on it, he, he leaned on me um, a little bit to, to help provide that, that kind of final, final say, yes. um, you know, and there, there was no one that we disagreed on. Uh, you know, there was a couple trial guys that we maybe had a little bit of a, a little bit of a discrepancy on, but it was really easy to say, you know, like, will they unseat this other guy who we already have? Yeah. You know, so it, it um, yeah, the so process- even if you're valuing certain guys differently, uh, yeah. in the end, that was a moot point because there were better guys anyway. Right. And Matt being at Bethel, um, you know, he is part of the scouting network in Minnesota. So a lot of these kids he's seen play in high school or mm, he's, he, he's seen their tape already. It was, there was just a few outliers, you know, like Avi Eller out in Columbia was, was one. And, um, you know, a couple of the guys that came through from our open trial process, you know, he, he hadn't seen before, but he did at the tryouts. So, um, so yeah, so I hope that answered your question, Bryn. It was, uh, again, it was a good one and, uh, yeah, total domination for, from a U23 perspective with the roster. Hope so. <laughs> yeah. Hope so. Um, but we have other news. So we, 
we have a few crows that are returning to the flock. We are nearing the end of our roster signings. Thank God it's been a long process. Um, and <laughs> the announcements keep rolling in. Uh, we have a few spots that are still kind of shaking themselves out. Um, but this week we featured two really great players and just all around great dudes who are returning to the murder. The first is defender Aaron Olson. Most of you know him simply by AO. And we are happy to have him back. He was an original member of the first unit three seasons ago and was a key member of our – is and was a key member of our Stegman's MASL back-to-back championship teams. Um, and, in fact, Nate, he was actually named Stegman's Club Player of the Year last year. Yes. Amazing. So he – Yes, he was voted on by all the managers. So uh, cool. super happy to have him. You know, don't need to go too deep into uh, to him on the field. Anyone listening probably has seen him play, but uh, great defender, um, just a hundred percent effort all the time. Uh, sometimes a little bit too fiery, like when I told him before he went uh, on an away game last year. <laughs> all you need to do is not get a yellow card. Jeez. And as I'm streaming the game from home. He fouls a guy and then throws the ball out uh, over the over the end line and gets a yellow card and there we go. So, <laughs> gotta love the fire though. Gotta uh, love the fire. Always, always one for uh, a little bit of dissent. Yes, yes. You know he's he he believes he's always right. So uh, how can you blame him? Yep. Uh, the second one is one of those type of players that we talked about when we were going over the U23 roster last show, a converted center midfielder who now plays in the back line. That's Charlie Adams. Uh, goes by Chuck. And Chuck is in his second full year with us, including two stints on both of our U.S. Open Cup teams um, and previously joining us from the former Minnesota United Reserve team that we just completely raped of all their good players. (laughs) So um, (laughs) he was voted to the MPSL uh, North Team of the Year last season, which was well-deserved. He not only possesses great hair and a striking smile and that killer chazzle-dazzle step-over that he dubbed uh, on the show, (laughs) uh, but he's that attacking mindset out of the back that really ignites our attack um, on top of all the great things he does from a a one-on-one defensive perspective. Yeah, man. I'm really excited to see this this wingback duo returning as Crows for 2018. Not not that it was really ever in doubt. They had, haven't really left the team. They went with us to the U.S. Open Cup. Um, they've been playing as Minneapolis City in like the, that three-on-three tournament that the U of M did. They're at all the practices, all the trials. They're yeah. super dedicated. Um, but it's great to make it official. I think is, uh, you know, I only see more good things coming from these guys. We, we always know that, uh, you know, guys like Abdallah was a lockdown defender, but what I like about having AO and, and Chuck out there is that both of them can attack. Both of them are pushing up field. You know, mm-hmm. AO scored that goal for us uh, in the nice Open Cup. Huh? Really nice goal. Really that was a really, really nice, nice goal. goal. Really nice goal. Um, Charlie's always a threat for a long shot. It's just um, it's just good to have him. Good, I think, good to have their, I think... that, them add that dimension to the, uh, to the team be, besides being great defenders. Well, and it, it's they're like they're a veteran presence. So as we start kind of mm-hmm. turning our roster over, as we get into like year four and five, you know, these are the guys that are going to be passing down that knowledge to the the future of the club. And and they're they're kind of like a, a fine wine or Tom Brady. They just seem to get uh, him better with age. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. All right. Maybe they have some quack doctor like Tom Brady does, just like feeding them alkaline water and massaging them for t- twelve hours a day. <laughs> well. No matter what, welcome back. Yep, exactly. Welcome back. So we are pleased to be joined today by a fellow uh, 
semi-pro lower league division zero trailblazer uh, Jonathan <laughs> Kalura one of the owners and founders of Lincoln Nebraska's new UPSL side bug eaters FC Jonathan welcome to the podcast again thanks so much for for being flexible and joining us at a later hour you bet and and the only thing I'd, I'd uh, say there's we're not division zero we haven't been offered uh, any sponsorships by RP funding that yeah. All right. All right. So let's get started here. Uh, why don't you tell us a little bit about your personal soccer background? Like, where did you grow up? Where did you play? How did you come into the game? So I grew up in Omaha, Nebraska, um, went to school in Lincoln, Nebraska, at the University of Nebraska. I grew up on Creighton, watching Creighton play in the NCAA. I remember going to a lot of those games. And then... Uh, Back in the late 90s, this crazy thing came out called MLS, and they had this amazing thing called the shootout. Uh, I remember going down to Arrowhead Stadium many times and watching games down there. So I was always a fan of the game. Um, Really started back in probably 1990, uh, really following it religiously. And, you know, things such as uh, the game of FIFA really helped uh, things along with getting to know the different teams and the yeah. players and everything else. And when I was in school at the University of Nebraska, uh, the internet came about and the internet really kind of opened up the whole world where I could start communicating with, you know, fans in England and all those that spoke the same language as I did and learned a lot about the game internationally. And so uh, developed a big passion for the game and specifically that in England. And, uh, you know, I always had a goal of owning a team in England, accomplished that in 2015, actually going back in about 30 days to buy another team, a small team at a lower level, and uh, nice. fell, in love, fell in love with non-league in the UK. So, um, you know, so my background is, is that, you know, I was a huge fan of the game, bought a team in a town called Alfreton, 5th Division, England, uh, situated between Derby and Nottingham. Uh, bought that investment, and, you know, you're looking at, at that level of 5th fifth, fifth Division, you're getting 500 fans a game, and your budget's a million U.S. Um, so really an interesting way to kind of cut my teeth on it, using my, my business, business uh, background towards yeah. that. And... I exited that investment last year, sold to my partners to focus on um, going after another club. And so instead of going from fifth division, I'm going to go lower and I'm going to build my way up and, and build a sustainable business model. Um, I'm going to put a, uh, I'm going to put a, an academy uh, over there as well. And then ultimately tie it to the bug eaters. So here in the U S wow. what, so what, what, uh, what town are you looking at over there now? It's, it's, it's a town down in Devon. Um, back at the end of 2016, I had a deal to buy a team called Torquay, and that deal fell out on the final day. Um, I had talked with the chairman that morning. He said it was a done deal, and then by the end of the day, they decided to go with somebody else who was local, a wildly unpopular decision. Torquay's struggling immensely, so I'm going uh, with a team close by because I love the region the area and everything else and i'm going to take a team and build it up and i'll get it up from it's right now ninth division i'll probably get it up to the fifth division i'm hoping within five six years and then i want to make a the neat thing is is all those teams um they all have some sort of fa uh trophy yeah uh, fa trophy is actually a level above but the one we're at is called fa boss and it plays at wembley 
And so my goal is to make a run and actually play in Wembley and uh, get promotion a couple of times. So that, that's a goal that wow. I have. And then ultimately I can tie the team to the bug eaters. But here in the U.S., I was one of the founding partners of a team in Napa called Napa Valley 1839, an NPSL club. Okay. Mm-hmm. And helped found that club, helped uh, build that up. Two partners out there, Eric and Josh, phenomenal. Ended up selling my equity to Josh back in January to focus fully on on the bug eaters. So for me, um, what has been a passion has become a hobby in that I can use, you know, my, my business expertise into developing, you know, sustainable business models and growing things. So what you've seen in Lincoln is not an accident. Um, I've been in the game. I know how to do it and I know how to build it up. Lincoln's been a fantastic success because it's been a huge gap in the middle, middle of the United States. Um, you know, instead of going Omaha, I went with Lincoln. Primary reason there is this is that um, I was asked to be the principal investor in NISA. And uh, the guy who had signed the deal for NISA is actually my business partner in the Bug Eaters. Um, he was kind of a sweat equity guy and, you know, met with him, talked with him. And instead of, you know, spending money to have a designation, I said, look, we can do this a different way. We can build it on a community model, build it sustainably, and pretty much accomplish the exact same thing we're looking for. Um, You know, because come August, there's a different king in the state of Nebraska, and it's called the Nebraska Cornhuskers. Yeah, right, right, exactly. So (laughs) so we we really want to fill those boring months in the state of Nebraska when there's not a whole lot to do. And, um, you know, it, it's been fantastic. You know, we've sold a lot of season tickets. We've sold a lot of merchandise, but again, it, it none of this is by accident. It's all intentional. We know how to build uh, a team, or at least I do. Tim's learning very quickly and he's done a fantastic job helping me, but, um, I'll be in England in three to four weeks and i'll be closing a deal over there and we're working with a league club on uh, finalizing a a partnership where ultimately it's a development partnership where guys who they release from their academy will come to our team in the united states and we're going to help we'll not only have them play but we'll help them get college scholarships so that's exciting for us um it's really difficult to get americans into english football Right, but the way we can do it is, is we can tie in with the university and ultimately uh, put them as students over there, and we're at such a level that they can play and huh. you know can play competitively. So yeah. it, it'll be it'll be good. Uh, but yeah, I mean that from a from a background standpoint, that's where I am. And then you know I, I like the fact that I can get involved in the game a little bit further than just being a team owner and actually you know making a little bit of a difference. You know, the experience in England has been second to none in that their non-league over there is really our USASA here in the United States. Mm-hmm. And you've got, you know, you've got teams at the fifth fifth level who get anywhere from 500 to two to 3,000 fans. And then you have a whole pyramid below that of promotion relegation, which, which is really, really good. So, um, you know, a lot of that came into play last week in the discussions. So what does the infrastructure look like with the team that you're, you're looking to purchase over in England? You know, I, I mean, I, I, I understand how the, you know, the lower leagues in Europe work with, you know, more of kind of towns associated with teams and there's, you know, a historic ground that they play at and, and there's, it's, it's kind of, it's kind of all there for them. And, you know, coming in as an owner, like, is that what you're looking for? Like, first off, maybe 
what does the infrastructure look like for the team you're looking to buy? And then, and what do you look for over there when you're trying to align yourself from a business perspective with somebody that you want to purchase? So first and foremost, this is a community team, which, which fits what I'm doing really well. Okay. The community owns it today. It's a very small, when I say community, it's not the town, it's a small community group who owns it. And so they're looking to, to grow and, and, and build. And, you know, really one thing that people forget is, is that here in the U S we tend to be very good innovators and very good marketing people uh, when it comes to sports and over there, it tends to be kind of stale, kind of all the same. And, you know, they, they really kind of stick with what they know. So, you know, you're right. A lot of the clubs will have a stadium that they'll have a 99 year lease on, et cetera. Mm-hmm. What's happened is a lot of the clubs get kind of weary of investors because they're concerned that the investors are only in it to get the real estate and converted into apartments or hotels or whatever. That's no joke. Right. The, rea- the reality is, is that there's no money in the game. There's no money over there. There's no money over here. So you have to <laughs> through that, man. Right, right, right. <laughs> you, you, you absolutely have to be doing it for the right reason. So right. for me, it's kind of giving back to community and focusing on, on kind of the charity aspects of it. So, you know, when I didn't get Torquay, um, the secretary of the team ended up leaving and he, he works for me in England. And so we identified this team some time ago and we've been working with them and ultimately we'll get this deal done. But they have a very nice ground. They have the infrastructure to build an academy. They have an infrastructure to grow into a pretty significant team. All That's all fine and great, but that takes money. And the way you get money is you get somebody who's willing to put money up or you grow a team and you you know you have the know-how to get commercial sponsorships, et cetera. So mm-hmm. um, I've kind of seen it both ways. Over there, it's very similar to USASA. It's all volunteers working the team. And it's just, it's what I look for is I look for models that I can build and sustain. I recently got a call from a team that's having some trouble. And it's it's a name that most, most people would know. But they reached out to me and said, hey, do you want to buy this club? And I said... Okay, what? How much? And they said 1.2 million pounds, and it needs 500,000 to get to the end of the season. I said, Nope. Yeah, those, <laughs> those, those, those are non-starters for me. Um, you know, we had that in the U.S. It's called NASL. Um, so, I just, uh, you know, I, I look for something that I can build and something that I can make a difference. And you know, that's really where I'm looking at the U.S. model of what we have with USASA, you know, you got, you have so many different leagues within that. And that's where I kind of want to bring things together and say, look, here's, here's what the English model is. And it makes a lot of sense. You know, at the highest level, I truly believe national league, the fifth division is the most competitive league in England next to, I mean, you know, EPL championship league one, league two, but, that league is super competitive. There's a lot of money going into it. And I ultimately see that very similar to USASA. So over there, you've got pro. What do you think that's like a lot, a lot of guys that are in your kind of shoes trying to find a, a team just below, you know, the money Everybody, teams where you can kind of build it up and. Yeah, but I wouldn't even say that's it at that level. So, you know, and, and here's, here's the deal is that everybody wants to be wants to take a team to the football league, you know? Yeah. Um, I almost bought a football league team and it wasn't as expensive as you'd think. And, you know, league two is competitive, but I truly believe football league is more competitive. Look at teams that have just done the double jump, you know? Um, and 
I, you know, Bristol Rovers is a great example of that. And, you know, you, you look at these teams that have done the double jump, it's because it's so competitive at, at that level. But a lot of people will do it just, you know, over there, it's an ego play, um, which is so funny because, you know, somebody said to me one time, I was, I was buying a League Two club, and they said, you know, are you doing this for the right intentions? And I said, well, first and foremost, no one in the U.S. knows where your team is. And they're like, oh, what do you mean? <laughs> I said, no one knows what it is. So there's no ill intentions here because if I told somebody I owned your team in the U.S., they'd think I was crazy. So, <laughs> right, right. So, you know, over there, it's really kind of a status thing, and there is a little bit of an ego element to it. But I've gone into it from a sustainable business model. You know, the team we ended up buying – you know, it, it makes money and it does well. And, and it's all in player development, player sales, because right. ultimately you can't count on the gate. You know, 500 fans a game is not it's not going to sustain a million dollar budget. I so couldn't. I mean, it doesn't sustain our $30,000 budget. <laughs> right. Exactly. <laughs> you, you got it. You got it. So it's all about it's all about partnerships, development, et cetera. Yeah. So um, that's where. I've learned a lot about the game. And so going into a much lower level, um, it's exciting because they're like, oh, our budget's, you know, this much. And I'm like, yeah, okay. And they're like, you know, would you be willing to put this much into the team? I'm like, yeah, I, I can. And we'll get you promoted. We'll get you up to these different levels. And they're excited about it. I'm excited about, about it because, you know, it's doing a nice thing for the community. They have, they have the base to build a tremendous club. Where they're lacking is really on the commercial side and kind of the development and everything else. So over there, you've got a lot of non-league teams that are very similar to what we have here, but they're paying their players. And so every single team over there pretty much loses money. And I can tell you, I've seen so many budgets. I, I, I know what different teams look like. And it just it's all across the board. So when we're building the USASA, here in the U.S. and looking to potentially build out a pyramid that looks like a non-league, you know, we have to be careful about what we do. Right. Um, simply because, you know, you, you don't want one team running away with it, et cetera. You know, over there, the promotion relegation is good. It's exciting. Um, but it can also be devastating in that there are runaway budgets where people just throw money at it. And when they're done with it, they just they just throw it away and they just hand it off or it just goes bust. Yeah. Um, you know, a lot of the teams that fall out of the league that go into the foot, the national league, a lot of them go bust because they're used to the parachute payments or the payments uh, coming from the football association or rather, sorry, the football league that helps sustain them. And, you know, the team I talked to was at the fifth, fifth level with a 1.4 million pound playing budget. I mean, that it's insane. That's a lot so, of money. It, it's a ton of money. And so, I mean, you're, you're looking at, you know, versus USL. These numbers are astounding. And this is the fifth division. You know, I don't know of any USL clubs with, with that kind of budget. So, um, it's, it's highly competitive over there. But I, I love it. And I love the aspect of being able to grow it. And really one thing that's hurt them significantly is, that you have, um, you know, football on the telly. And so, so many of the fans that used to go to these community clubs now stay home because it costs nothing rather than go to their local club and support it. And that's kind of the spectacle of the Premier League. However, I do believe it's starting to swing 
back the other way where people are more interested and they, you know, there's been a huge age gap in England where they're not engaging the younger fans like we are here in the U S and where it's more of a younger sport here. It's an older sport there. And so I, I think there's going to be a little bit of a change in the swing and you have to make it relevant. Um, Sure. Yeah. I definitely think that, you know, here, especially it's uh, you know, with the, the, game growing in in popularity there's uh i I could see that soccer is kind of getting to be a a generational issue in in england you see a lot of the old people probably a lot of the wealth it's huge i mean mean, literally the thing the the we we know that the season attendance was going down because people were dying yeah (laughs) well not not only that but i mean it, it seems to me like that you you look in the crowd and it's definitely there's a lot of there's a a lot of age in the crowd and probably a little bit of wealth in the crowds, at least from what we see on TV. Um, you know, why not reach out to the community and, and, and kind of get, get the local and local and kids and the families and stuff to, to the cheaper games. That's, I mean, that's it is that, that, you know, even the community clubs over there look at it from the standpoint of how do we engage the community? And they, they just, they don't have the innovation. There are no entrepreneurs, so they don't understand exactly how to do that engagement. So that's what I'm hoping to accomplish. Cool. Sure. You so know, let's, and, let's, uh, let's, Jonathan, let's bring it back home here, uh, to the States for a while. So if you, um, you know, obviously we're a huge proponent of kind of owning who, who you are as a team, um, being authentic and having that authentic voice. Um, and I know you, you're going to come from a unique perspective. If you could sum up the mission of the bug eaters in just a couple sentences, uh, for the <laughs> listeners, what would it be? All right. Thank you for leaving to two sentences because uh, I'll talk all night about it. <laughs> I was uh, gonna say I was gonna say we got we, we could reserve a whole other podcast to talk about this, but uh, it's it's super I'll, interesting. I'll, yeah, I'll make it simple. So basically, the focus is giving back to the community. Where I began loving the game, you know, there's a huge gap there, and so I wanted to give a level of soccer that didn't exist, and you know, focus on the community, focus on the fans whole thing bug eaters is about is filling that gap allowing or facilitating a celebration of the culture of soccer in the state of nebraska and allowing the players an opportunity to play at the next level and that can be college players it can be local players and that's really what we're trying to do there and that's what this team's all about is is really those things I, I really like the the farm to pitch slogan that you guys have. It, it really it really kind of hit home to me, and and I know it did to Nate and to Dan as we're we're three advertising guys. But I think the million dollar question for a lot of the people, at least in our area, is what what's up with the bug eaters? Like, where did that name originate from? So bug eaters was a name given to the citizens of Nebraska back in the 19th century. So <laughs> as you could imagine, the state was pretty much agriculture back then you know we didn't have uh the metropolis of omaha and we didn't have uh (laughs) you know a whole lot going on so so what happened was this is that you know there was this is the story is that there was a drought and you know as a result you know there was a plague and the you know the grasshoppers came in and ate all the corn and all you know all the crops and so the literally the nickname for nebraskans dubbed by wonderful states such as Iowa was that um, was that they were the bug eaters because they had nothing else to eat. So (laughs) that's really where it came about. Um, You know, my alma mater adopted it and used it for 
you know, the late 1890s. They used it for a handful of years as their football team, but they didn't actually call themselves that. It was the press of other teams that called them that. So Bug Eaters comes from that. And the best part about it is if you don't know that story, you think we're absolutely crazy. And that's <laughs> the best part about it. And people have, it's really resonated with people. Absolutely. So, for sure. So was, was there... Really, it was really, you know, Tim, my business partner, uh, Nebraska native, uh, went to University of Nebraska, he's an NYU master's, worked at Coney Island. And, you know, he he came up with, he didn't come up, he said, hey, we got to call this team. Back. I said, oh, absolutely. So, you know, we, we did some research on it. We basically went and bought all the marks, filed trademarks and everything else. So we would be in good shape, but it's, it's resonated well. Now, uh, let me expand into the logo. So two things. The logo is as simple as can be. I love just the kind of the black and white. It really popped for us. The tractor on it is actually based on a tractor that my family owned in Lincoln, Nebraska. Um, and, you know, it's on top of a giant soccer ball. Because in the state of Nebraska, you got to have a giant soccer ball so people know what you want. <laughs> right. you got to be clear. Right. Yeah. <laughs> so um... – was there an existing amateur infrastructure that you're you're building off of that served no. kind of as a skeleton for the bug eaters? No, I just jumped in and did this. <laughs> I mean, I hey, that's what it takes told, sometimes. Truth be told, I'd been talking to NPSL and PDL since 2015. And, you know, it's always, oh, we got to do a case study on this, a case study on that. And I said, you know what, I'm just going to do it. And because I, I, I know the basics of it and I can support it. And so Tim and I made the decision to move forward with, and we were working with NPSL for a while. Mm -hmm. And, you know, I, I got busy with, you know, my day job stuff. And so last fall, you know, I just didn't have time to put together the application for NPSL. And so we jumped on UPSL, which was basically a way for us to jump into the game. It was a low risk, low budget deal to do. We didn't have a stadium at the time and we got it done and it resonated. And, you know, my argument has always been fans just want to celebrate the culture of soccer. I don't think it's as much as, you know, they have to have a pro team mm -hmm. that they have to have a certain level of team that they just want to go celebrate the culture of soccer with like minded fans. It really engages the community. And so what we have found is that that is absolutely true. Yeah. I mean, we found, you know, we were, in the PLA in our inaugural season, now the UPSL. Um, and it really doesn't matter. Like people don't care what, don't care. what league and you're in is if it's not this MLS, is, you know, this is the, this is the exact conversation I had when I was looking at other leagues, other leagues being, being non USASA leagues. Yeah. And I said, no one cares. And I, I do think that there is a level that people care. And the reason we did a team in Lincoln is because it's centrally located. It's a fantastic community. And ultimately, I have no doubt that, you know, USL is going to go into Omaha at some point. I think that's going to be a tremendous thing for us. Um, but I don't want to compete with them. I want to own a, own a market and be able to have this amateur mm -hmm. level where we can make a difference. And that's that's really what I'm looking at. And, you know, what's funny is that you know, everybody's throwing around the word amateur and pro and everything else. Here's what we have in England. It's contract player or non-contract player. Nothing else. Yeah. And every player signs a contract or a non-contract. And that's what it is. So, you know, and it's all regulated by the same body on that. But that's where, you know, 
if somebody's playing at this level, I mean, pro or not, it's a definition that we're putting on it. But I can tell you something. You know, last year in Napa, every kid in the stands wanted to meet one of those players and get an autograph. Yeah. To me, that was a big deal. Well, it's 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 something that was very eye-opening to me that just that, like these are PLA players. This is now um, NPSL players, and these kids don't care, man. Like they'll go to the they'll go to the events, and they'll want them to sign their 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 kits, and they'll want them to you know they'll bring their their soccer balls to them for signing, and they they're excited to walk out on the pitch with them, uh, you know, for the for the announcements and things like that. Like the kids are just looking up to players that are living the dream. It, but but it's the same thing as minor league baseball, as far as I'm concerned. Yeah, I grew up in Omaha. We had AAA for the Kansas City Royals, and, you know, we had College World Series come through. And being a young fan, you know, I remember every single player I met and everything else. It didn't matter if they made it to major leagues or not. I knew all their stats and everything else. And this gives them the opportunity. Who cares about the structure or what it is? If I'm fielding a player, I'm giving that player the opportunity opportunity to have the same experience as somebody who is in, quote-unquote, a minor league. In fact, you know, one of my good friends – out in Atlantic City, you should see the players he's signing. He's signing amazing players, and he's about to sign two big names that are former MLS players. And the way he's doing it is he's helping them get local jobs. He's not paying their contracts. He's helping them get local jobs and everything else to, to build his team. This is the experience, and this is why you know, I really went to Chattanooga to speak on this stuff is because I truly believe that what we have here is – like like the term or not, this is minor league soccer. And some hate it. Some think it resonates with people. But the reality is this, is if you take 100 people off the street, five are going to know anything about soccer. Of those five people, you'll be lucky to get one that knows anything about anything with different <laughs> structures and leagues. So, I mean, but they're all going to tell you they know something. <laughs> that's what it boils down to. And I got news for you. The guy who's playing for the Bug Eaters, He's going to be out in the community telling everybody he's a pro. Yeah. Yeah, totally. So last week um, you headed down to Chattanooga for the for the Summit for American Soccer. I can imagine the state of the NASL uh, was one hot topic, but what were the other kind of hot-button topics down there? You know, it was, it was so well put together. Tim Kelly did an amazing job. He's the chairman of Chattanooga. And I, I was I was disappointed that Dan couldn't make it. Dan told me he was going to go, and he didn't make it. And I was <laughs> that he was go. But um, you know, here's the thing: is that it wasn't as much about a league or anything like that. He was really saying, "Hey guys, are we all on the same page here? That we're kind of doing the same thing. We've got some really good teams. What do we look at as kind of the next structure?" And you know, it it was good. It was. It was not a it was not a complaint session. It was more of what can we do to support each other? And what can we do to come together to build something that's really going to make a difference? And so I've, I've had this theory since last May when I looked at another league. And then ultimately I said, this is the wrong model. <clears throat> Fans don't care. Fans literally don't care. And oh, by the way, USASA needs an extended league and it needs a pyramid. And ultimately within that pyramid, you can have an FA Cup type structure, because guess what we're building? We're building non-league in England is really what it comes down to. The issue is, is going to be getting everybody on the same page. You know, you mentioned Division Zero and everybody kind of wants to do do have a piece of what they, they say. But we need to stay focused on what we have in structure today. Um, obviously, with PDL pulling out of the whole deal, 
I think that makes it a lot easier for, for this sure. to be something. Because, you know, there's no doubt in my mind that PDL is going to be become the official division four. Who cares, right? You know, I know the know the PDL guys. I have a lot of respect for the division three guys. Stephen Short, he's an amazing guy. He does an amazing job to be able to build a league from nothing. But that's not to say that we can't build the non-league in England to here in the U.S. And remember what I said earlier. National League, which is the top level of the non-league pyramid, in my opinion, is the most competitive. And I know for a fact it's more competitive than some of the leagues. So what we're looking at is, is ultimately setting up that type of structure here and setting up that type of pyramid. And there are going to be people who get pissed off along the way. But ultimately, as long as we have a you know, a, a gravity towards the middle and everybody is rowing in the right direction, we're going to get something done. And I, I, I took my notes from the meeting and I basically issued that statement that I put out there. And the statement was, was really something I believed in, you know, since I, since I, I started this. And that is we need an extended league, we need a mid-league, and we need a lower league, and we need to figure out a way to do promotion relegation between the three. Now, promotion relegation really needs to be based on two things, winning and financials. So you're going to have teams fall out because they cannot afford to be at certain levels. But that's where the leagues can pick them up, help them support and everything else. What's really important to me is on that second and third tier where you have a league that is supporting and giving guidance, business model guidance, sponsors. You know, what if we went and signed, you know, a national van company to help travel costs for teams, especially at yeah. that third level? It makes right. a huge, huge difference. Yeah, that's the biggest, that's one of our biggest issues. And and so it really takes, you know, we had a room full of entrepreneurs and business minds to be able to do that. Now, I would love to see some of the NAS, NASL guys fall into kind of that extended league at the top. And I, I'm absolutely positive that something is going to happen on this. And it's not going to make everybody happy. It's not going to make, you know, Twitter happy because Twitter has its favorites in some of the people who've been outspoken on. I can tell you that you know, people are, people are, I saw a comment that said something about, you know, you know, people, you know, people are, are, are talking about this, but nothing's happening, but this guy's making it happen. Here's the difference. The stuff that's happening, people don't know about. And there's a reason for that. It's because they want to make sure it gets done and it gets done the right way. Um, and so, you know, you mentioned division zero. I had a chance to see Robert Palmer speak. He had some amazing things to say. Um, tried to meet him a couple times and didn't get, get a chance to, uh, reached out to him a couple times. He hasn't followed up. I can tell you this as an entrepreneur, um, you know, we, we all need to be discussing all working together rather than focusing on, you know, comments about, I can sponsor this. I can sponsor that. I can sponsor this. I got news for you. I could sponsor any, any of this. And I could, my difference is, is that I'm going to focus on a structure from a league and helping that league get those sponsors and helping from a sustainability model of business. And it's not about one team. It's not about one individual. It's not about anybody's company. It's about working as a collective here. And I, I, I really respect the guys at NPSL for bringing it together, for looking at it saying, you know, we're kind of the core. NPSL has come a long way in a short amount of time. And, you know, I, I would imagine that, you know, we will have some follow-up summits. One is coming. I think it's it's sooner rather than later. Um, so it's going to be interesting. It's going to be interesting to see how many people attempt to derail this with their own agenda. Mm -hmm. 
mm-hmm. but I, I, I tried to be outspoken with my comments. They were very basic comments, very watered down. And I got a very positive reaction on it because the reality is this, is that at this level, it's not about money. It's not about money. It's not about egos. It's not about anything. It's just really about the change. It's about building something that's sustainable. What if we had the English non-league here in the U.S.? Wouldn't that be amazing? It'd be Mm -hmm. amazing. And, you know, I don't care what level we fall into. I don't care as long as it's the right product for my community and for my fans. And I can tell you this is, you know, I'm expecting a good number of fans this season and we're going to field a competitive team. You know, I signed a technical director who's absolutely amazing. You know, he won the NAI title two years ago, undefeated. Last year, he, he lost three games. So we're going to have an amazing product. But there are a lot of communities out there who need who need help and they need guidance. And that's what this is all about. And I was in Boston two weeks ago. I flew up there to go help a team and help them negotiate a stadium deal. And I did that on my own dime. You know, I didn't post post on Twitter. Hey, I'm spending this much to go help this team. You know, I've, I've also put a sponsorship of this much on this team. These guys reached out to me and they asked me for my help. So I went and flew up there and I helped them. And we, we have a stadium deal coming for them. It's a pretty significant deal. Um, but it's things like that where I like to make a difference and like to help. And I like to use my, my business skill set to, you know, help the guys who, who, don't, know, who don't know otherwise. <clears throat> we have a lot of fans of the game who jumped into owning teams. But we also need to make sure that we have the right partners and the right people involved in these things. Um, you know, and I do think leagues come into play. I'm a firm believer of not paying for status, but for paying for structure. And there's a huge difference between those two. Paying for status and lining somebody's pockets is not of interest to me. Paying for structure and infrastructure and somebody who's actually going to make the schedule is definitely of interest to me. Yeah, I mean, that builds everything for the future that keeps, uh, that's, you know, sets the foundation up for, for people to come in and do the same thing that you're trying to do or do the same thing that we're trying to well, do. Well, and, or, and that's uh, where, you know, you know, what I found is, is that the people in Chattanooga were there, mostly not for self-intent, but to focus on what can we do as a whole and how do we make a difference? You know, this isn't, this isn't a signing the Declaration of Independence. <laughs> and and the, the truth of the matter is, is that this is a lot of common sense. So no, no life changing decision came out of the, came out of the summit, huh? <laughs> Some, yeah, so much of it's just common sense. It's like, yep. here's an idea. Let's have multiple levels. Hmm. Okay. Maybe we need an extended season. Okay. It, it's it's all good stuff and it's all common sense. And and I think when we look to other leagues, uh, we look to how other leagues have done promotion, relegation, et cetera. I think it makes a lot of sense. And you know, I I'm a huge proponent of starting with three tiers, extended league, you know, the the current league, and then the league below it for the teams who are looking at the twenty five thousand dollar to fifty thousand dollar budget. Mm-hmm. But they need support at that level. You can't just pay a league fee and be on, be on an Island. Um, and that's where I'm hoping that, you know, we're going to get something with some structure where the league's going to help with sponsorships or guess what, you know, here's a, here's a kit partner who's going to offer you a really good discount. No, by the way, here's a sample business model. Here's a sample business plan and you need help with sponsorships. Well, we keep, there's no magic fix, fix for sponsorships. That, that's the one thing I tell everybody. There's no magic fix. You know, you can't just, 
go, I want to have sponsorships. And then all of a sudden, bam, I've got 50,000 sponsorships. Yeah, you got to hit the streets. <laughs> right. <laughs> uh, I, told, I, I say, here's a link to a sticker company. Go get 10 people to go hand these out and start there. Basically. Right. Um, talk to it, it, talk it, to every car dealership in town. It, no, that's, it, it sucks, but that's how it starts. That's, yeah. how, right. that's how you do it. And somebody asked me how much we got for our things, and I told him, and he's like, wow. And I'm like, again, this isn't my first time doing this. Right. Like, oh, I just fell into the sponsorship, and it was just amazing. So you mentioned earlier um, your technical director. We're, we're fairly familiar with him because uh, one of our players uh, is uh, a graduating senior of uh, of Hastings College. But how, so to kind of circle back to your to your team, how far along are you in the uh, the roster building process, and where are you drawing your players from to fill it? Is it the like the University of Nebraska system, like or local amateur clubs, maybe Creighton? Like how are you kind of bringing your guys together? <laughs> All of the above. <laughs> So, you know, first, first season, it's, it's really, it's kind of all the above, you know, it's yep. like playgrounds, you know, elementary school. <laughs> now, so really what it is, is Aaron is fantastic. And so we, we've had one formal tryout. We'll have a second one coming up, but you know, we're starting late in the game. So we're getting what we can, but we're pretty confident in what we have. And our Aaron's our technical director. We have some coaches who are these Bosnian guys who are amazing. And, you know, we have another guy who's a Rocky. These guys have been in Lincoln. They know all the people. They know the schools. So it's coming from a combination of college, coming from a few local guys, mm -hmm. you know, and it, it's all the above. You, University of Nebraska doesn't have a men's team. University of Nebraska, Omaha does, but most of those guys are already placed, you know, think, right. mm -hmm. you know, Des Moines, right. et cetera. So we're putting together a pretty good team this season. Our goal in five years is to have a development program much like Chattanooga. And I told that to Tim, and he kind of looked at me like, a, you know, he's like, what are you thinking? But the reality is we can. We can do that. And, um, you know, the game on the pitch is going to be good for us this season. You know, it's not about winning anything this season. It's about being competitive and putting a good product out there. Yeah, right. it's really, you know, outreach and connecting with the community and getting people to start you know, coming to the games and game identifying with the team. This game on April 21st, that, you know, we're we're probably not going to have any college players, so we'll do the best we can, but hopefully we beat those guys. I really hope we do. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. So you guys are coming to town for the first leg of a home and away friendly against uh, against Minneapolis City. So uh, <laughs> like, like you're touching on, like it, it might be only the first or second time that you guys – maybe that see action in the spring. Um, what do you think you'll be evaluating and where in the team's development do you hope you'll be Or You know, you're just going to get the, guys hopefully starting to gel or trial by fire. The evaluation will be, should we have done this or not? <laughs> <laughs> we've just all been that. there before, right? Uh, so we're, I think we've got, we've got a game the week before, which is kind of an unofficial game. Uh, we're playing Tulsa athletic, my good friend, Sonny. Yep. Uh, Sonny. He's fantastic. So we're going to be playing him and, you know, drinking some beer, eating tacos. So we'll be well prepared to come up there. Um, <laughs> to, to eat tacos also and drink beer, beer and tacos. Yeah, yeah. Again, I know. So, um, yeah, we'll have uh, my favorite up north is what do you got there? The, the Taco John's with the uh, Mexi fries. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> or potato Olays or something yeah, like that. Yeah, potato Olays. That's, that's it. So, so we're going to. 
the, the thing is this is that these are all kind of warm-up games for us right just kind of see what we have and kind of fill in the gaps and, and, and get the pieces going um i'm running two schedules this season um a very heavy npsl pdl schedule i'm very very happy with the pdl teams that have agreed to play us uh, my friend down in uh he's in lawrence but Caw Valley's playing us home in a way, which is fantastic. Oh, wow. Yeah. That's, that's a good one. He's, you know, it's his first season, but, you know, he's he's fantastic. He's obviously got the guys from Sporting Kansas City filming videos telling them, you know, good luck this season. And we've got uh, we've got Tim. We've got Tim and Lincoln <laughs> speaking the gospel of uh, the bug years. But I, I can tell you that what we're really trying to get out of it is this. Is we're, we're trying to – we're trying to establish ourselves and just start playing some matches and not get our asses kicked. It's really what it is. is I think we're going to be good. Um, you know, I don't know how good we'll be. Um, I do think we'll be fantastic in the UPSL. Um, yeah, I think, you know, and so I haven't seen the final schedule on that. You know, I think that kicks off in six weeks, something like that. But you know, our competition, we've got three teams in Kansas city and then one over in St. Louis um, you know, kind of local teams. And so we're excited about that. Ultimately, my goal has always been to carry two teams. One was supposed to be uh, an NPSL team, uh, which, you know, it's going to be an exhibition team this year. And the second was going to be a UPSL team. I'm a firm believer in having a second team um, just because, you know, at the end of the season, some of the college guys can get called back at any time. Yep. So, you know, that's where you try to fill in the gaps for your product to have you know, your second team team to be, you know, very good substitutes for your first team. Sure. Yeah. So we, uh, Jonathan, you may, we mentioned earlier that we're ad guys, John and uh, Dan and I all in advertising. And I got to say, I love the branding. Um, like you touched on it earlier. You kind of had thought about it. Um, you know, it was, it's Tim's idea. So it's, it's, but I think it's so important to set yourself apart from like the hundreds of other, basic oh, yeah. crest yeah. fcs out there like your name the logo Lincoln, the kits lincoln city lincoln city fc right here's, the farm to pitch line the old, it's all gold like the old soccer ball from the 1970s on our logo that we just cut and paste yeah like what went into developing your identity and um you know what other clubs are doing it doing that branding stuff right these days so what went into it is is that you know i I've been a huge soccer jersey collector and I've followed soccer for a long time. I mean, I, I started a Crystal Palace website, I think in 96 and it was one of the first Crystal Palace websites. So I was very picky about design and elements and stuff like that. So they didn't, have, like... <laughs> they, they didn't have an official website back then. So I was like one of two websites. And in fact, I was named soccer net site of the week before soccer net became ESPN. So the design elements for me were always, you know, crucial and being able to, to do something that, that we can market. And so, you know, I've, I've said perception is reality uh, a lot of times and it's true. So if somebody can get a bug eater shirt and it looks like an MLS shirt or a hat, it looks like a MLS hat or something completely different. The quality of the product is really the perception and the image. So, yeah, you know, I, the Twitter account has its own personality. Um, we don't do anything obnoxious, but we try to do things different and try to be funny. And that's really where the branding comes in. And um, we just did things the way we like them. You know, really, 
we're fans. So we did things the way we think fans would like, and it's resonated exceptionally well. Um, so I mean, that's, that's for sure. Like you gotta be doing something right. Right. Like I saw that, uh, you guys were the favorite Nebraskan team of Roger Bennett from men and blazers. He gave you a shout out uh, on Twitter. How cool is that to get a personal thank you and a shout out over, over video like that? Yeah. It stuff like that's fun. And again, it, a lot of it's, we're not new to this. It's, we know the people, we know the right people to contact, et cetera. You know, Rob Stone, Rob Stone, reached out to us and asked us for some gear and he, he posted it posted it on Twitter and yep. stuff like that. We love, we love the brand being out there. Um, you know, and I would say this is, we're not just, I mean, people in Nebraska like us, but there are people coast to coast that love us. And, you know, we've, we we've sold gear in every state. Um, we tend to be very heavy on the East coast and, you know, cause they're, they're looking for different things, but we wanted a brand that resonated with people. Um, we went with the black and white because it's very simple and people, it, it really just popped with that. So you asked about teams that are doing things right. You know, I, I look up to Minneapolis. Um, you know, I, I, I like what you guys do. Obviously you guys are ad guys, but you know, Dennis at Stockade. Yep. Fantastic brand, fantastic logo, black Sick and white. Merch. He's done, he's done a good job with merch. Um, I met, met with Dennis last weekend. Fantastic guy. Very good mindset. Um, I can go on a tangent about how I don't think budgets are one size fit all as you guys well know, but <laughs> I, I think, you know, it's brands like that, that, that make a difference. You know, we, we, we launched Napa last year. It was a good brand. People liked it a lot. It wasn't exactly all that I wanted. And, you know, you look at, you look at, <laughs> things that are different and that's what people really really gravitate towards or things that like the name people wanted something that says, says bug eaters i'll wear a bug eater shirt and people look like look look at me like i'm an alien and uh but at least they know it's soccer because it's got a giant soccer ball on it um <laughs> that's the key but you know but th- there are a lot of teams out there that are, that are doing things that, that i like you guys for sure are, are definitely one of them stockade's another one detroit is off off the chart you know um, they do an amazing job. Sean last weekend said, you know, he goes, Hey, we're a soccer team. And then most of the year we're a t-shirt company. And that's a fact. <laughs> well, they've, they've got like, it, this is crazy for, for me to think about, but they've got a full-time, uh, like merch store. No, they... the, the numbers, the numbers that they disclosed are absolutely insane. Yeah. I've, I've seen them there. It's, it is pretty insane. You know, for me, the merch, I'm very picky about stuff. And I want to make sure, sure stuff is absolutely perfect. So, I mean, I've gone through four different types of scarves uh, just to make sure the one I'm going to be selling the fans is the one I want. Uh, but, you know, we have different types of hats that are coming out. And, and you know, the, the hats that were the legacy hats, people, te- people love those hats. And, you know, the way I found that was, um, there's a brewery here in Texas. I'm Texas based. I'm originally from Nebraska, but I'm Texas based. There's a brewery here in Texas and they had this badass hat. And I'm like, what is this brand? It was legacy. I'm like, I'm going to call these guys. And they're like, Oh, well the minimum order is this. I said, fine. You know? So I'm lucky in the, in the fact that I've had the ability to get good merch, but it has helped the brand significantly. Um, one lesson I've learned is people absolutely love stickers i had no idea <laughs> right it's, yeah man who would have thought? 
had no idea people love stickers as much as they do. We we've spent two thousand bucks on stickers and given them all away. Um, so, you know, if you're ever in the Boston airport, look around. Uh, there's a bar with one behind them uh, with the uh, bug eater sticker behind the bar. We we love we love pasting them everywhere and just you know kind of spreading the brand. Um, one we've we've found that Nebraskans love it and that you know they're really rallying behind it. I think the combination of a good brand and what you stand for is a winning combination and people will come out for that. Right on, right on. So I think we're at the point now where we need to dive into the world famous Lupian automotive <laughs> speed round, Jonathan. Um, so the people's pitch podcast speed round is brought to you by the wonderful people in the Valley of gold at Lupian automotive, whether it's time for a tune up time to, get your next car, or you just like to walk around the showroom and feel really important. Lupian Automotive will treat you right. Head on down to <laughs> lupian.com for all things car. Do, do they do they clean bugs out of the uh, grill? Uh, I mean, I'm sure they will. They've got, mean, a, they've got some high school kids that do some detailing. Oh, yeah. I mean, every, everybody, everybody's chasing a buck, so I'm sure, I'm sure you could. So, so here's how the, the speed round works. There are 10 questions. Uh, we cannot move on to the next question until you give an answer. Kind of the first thing that comes to your mind. Um, we always ask everyone, like, do you need a, a quick break to stretch or you need like a, a beer or a glass of water or anything, or are you, are you good to go? You know what? I think I'm, I think I'm, I'm ready for this. <laughs> All right. <laughs> All right. So question number one, in what state was the first Arbor Day celebrated? Nebraska. All right. Well, one for one. Nice. <laughs> uh, question In Nebraska City, if you want to be specific. Wow. <laughs> um, if you are an entomophage, entomophage, what type of diet do you adhere to? Plant only? Uh, no, it is a bug eater. So oh. you see, see what we're doing there. Of course, uh, I, of course I should have known that. <laughs> <laughs> well, and, and you know, you learn something new every day, right? Uh, we all, we act, like to ask our guests, uh, what's the first big or like best soccer moment you remember? 94 world cup, U S Brazil. Oh, sorry. U S Columbia. Sorry. <laughs> I, that was, that was, that was a big one. That was a really big one. Um, number four, what is something about Nebraska that might surprise people? There are other teams besides the Cornhuskers. <laughs> yeah, it's a big surprise, right? <laughs> so uh, number five, uh, everyone gets one of these as well. Uh, it's a would you rather question. Would you rather have to spend your whole day husking corn or be able to spend your time doing whatever you want with an unlimited budget, but you could only eat bugs? Oh, the latter for sure. <laughs> for sure. I bet you could make bugs pretty delicious. News, bugs are protein. So you're good. <laughs> there you go. Okay, so you're you're making chili. Uh your your go-to chili recipe. What's the one ingredient that you must have in that chili? Crickets. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm 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 in Texas, so it would be the antithesis of that no beans. I was going to say, it, it had to be some hot sauce, probably. No beans. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> okay, number seven. Uh, what's your go-to soccer outlet for news? Like, where, where, do, you, where do you go to find your stuff? I, you, you seem to be very global, so it might be something that <laughs> folks listening to the site uh, don't frequent. You know, I, I always like The Guardian. Guardian always has a very political, politically unique spin on it. Um, 
you know, I, I always like soccer net and then ESPN got it, but you know, Twitterverse has some really interesting stuff on it. Um, half of it's fact, half of it's not, but anything out of the UK is always good. Guardian's fantastic. And I love BBC. I love the BBC because you can get information on the non-league. In, on mm-hmm. BBC. Number eight, if you were an animated character, who would you be and why? if i were an animated character i would be oh my gosh i gotta be rick from rick and morty (laughs) i was just talking about that earlier john's never seen an episode (laughs) i'm gonna have to mind i think i'm a genius i guess (laughs) (laughs) uh number number nine uh who was the most influential person in your soccer life i would say most influential um can it be a thing it, uh, i mean it could be a yeah, person place or thing i guess yep. I, I, okay let me let me make it a person it's the guy who was the programmer for fifa 97 all right <laughs> that's legit <laughs> it, it, it got it got you a, a deeper taste of the game so that, that, that you know that'll work funny? I can still name all the players. <laughs> that's how FIFA, That's how I got into the game more than anything, too. FIFA. <laughs> all right, FIFA last question, John. Yeah, right. Well, hey, I'm I'm happy to to spread spread the love of the game. It's a gift. <laughs> uh, so, uh, last question number ten. You, you may or may not already have this in mind, but what is the mascot of the Bug Eaters, and does it have a name? It's it's a grasshopper. It, it, it's going to be one of two names. It's either going to be Bugsy, or, <laughs> or it's going to be Johnny Putt Putt. Johnny, Johnny, putt, Johnny putt, putt, putt. So there's a nickname for a John Deere tractor. Yeah, the tractor. <laughs> I I would say go with that one. Yeah, I that's mean, great. If, if I had to, if I had to put I a, know, I know the, the first one is kind of lame. It's just it's something we threw out there. I mean, if I had to put a, uh, a dollar value to my advertising uh, expertise and and my opinion, uh, I would throw it all at the Johnny Putt Putt. That's pretty good. Oh no, we we think that's. That's fantastic. And then we'll get sued by Pup Pup. <laughs> well, 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 you made it through, uh, through the, the, the I, I got, I got with... one wrong and I, I feel really bad about it. Yeah, it's all right. It's okay. It's okay. But you know, we'll make sure that we have proper tractor parking on the 21st. So if anyone wants to make the trip up to, uh, to, to the match, uh, you, we'll, we'll save some room for Johnny Pup Pup. You, you want to hear, I'll, I'll just tell you kind of something funny really quick. So, I was in England uh, about six months ago, and literally uh, we were over by uh, Peterborough, and we got stuck behind a uh, tractor show. <laughs> and so uh, <laughs> the highway, a tractor show, and a lot of them were steam-powered tractors, which I had never seen or knew existed. So it was definitely an inspirational moment for us. Yes, like they were <laughs> on their way to the tractor show, or was like a tractor they parade. The tra- they were leaving the tractor show. Oh, perfect. Leaving the tractor show and it was causing a traffic jam. So, you know, it's inspiration. I think we're going to have something very similar. Yeah. Uh, a rally at our, uh, <laughs> our plenty, plenty of parking. Hey, as long, nice as, they, as long as they buy a ticket, right? <laughs> That's right. All right. Well, thank you so much to Jonathan Kalura, owner and founder of Lincoln's own Bug Eaters FC. Uh, we will get the chance to match up with you fine folks with both of our U23 and our senior team this year. Um, you will be in town in the preseason to face 
the U23s, or the to face the NPSL side, sorry. And then our U23s will be making the trip out to Lincoln later in the summer. Friends, let me tell you, if you want to support like-minded soccer right here in the Midwest, I strongly recommend heading over to Bug Eaters fc.com and checking out their merch and of course their memberships <laughs> jonathan there are uh, non-resident memberships available correct that's correct we have a non-resident membership available basically we we donate for uh used season tickets uh to uh, local programs that have asked for them that is awesome well thanks again for joining us uh, we really appreciate it thanks for taking the time out of your out of your busy schedule and uh and working with us to get on the show uh we will see you in about a month Sounds great. Thank you, guys. All right. Thanks a lot, Jonathan. Have a good night, man. All right. That's all for tonight's show. Thanks again to Jonathan for joining us this week. And thanks again, as always, to our sponsor, Summit Brewing Company. St. Patrick's Day is right around the corner, friends. And instead of loading up for a day on the toilet drinking green Bud Light, you should consider picking up any number of the Summit starting lineup and do yourself a big favor. Go to the tap room, the bar, or your local bodega and stock up for the Leprechaun's birthday. Members, membership for 2018. Are, it's so much damn bang for the buck. Do you have yours yet? Question mark. If not, get signed up. 60 bucks gets you a cool season pass to all upcoming city matches this summer for both the NPSL and U23 team, including the April 21st matchup with the Nebraska Bug Eaters. A fancy new membership scarf, and of course, a vote to help make what we created your own. Hey, do you like helping people? Well, we sure do, but helping people sometimes comes with a cost, and we need your support. If you're looking to align yourself with a fine group that loves to give back, you are in luck. Some might say the luck of the Irish. Minneapolis City is a 501c3 that does good on and off the pitch by providing those less fortunate to have a safe, reliable place to play the beautiful game. It's still tax season, so start thinking about those deductible donations and consider giving to the club that loves to give back. Hey, if you want to get a hold of us, we've made it super easy. Send us a note on Twitter at the People's Pitch or through an email like Bryn does. Please help him out. Podcast at gmail.com. All questions, comments, and concerns are welcome. And finally, as always, complain to the club at MPLSCitySC <laughs> on Twitter. That is all for this week, folks. We once again leave you with our house MC, Miles Stockman Willis, a.k.a. Millais, with a track called No Heart. I am John, that is Nate, and you are the people. Until next time, soccer is a gift. Hold it close to your hearts. You got hoofed. Mason says, fuck the old bitch. Uh, two fifteens, one big enclosure. How I get my closure? Become a composer. I don't need exposure, but I need a mower. Always off the ogre. Shrek with extra odor. About the bullshit. I'm a bulldozer. Saying straight face. No, I ain't playing poker. Me, myself, and I. I was born a loner. Never had a heart. I'm no ordinary organ donor. Money magnet, man, I'm about to bag these maggots Mainly from the brainy magic Causing racket with no ratchet I don't talk much, all about the action Fuck my parents' house trapping Trying to make the Hamptons happen, uh Get an A on the report like Voldemort Deporting bodies, you were hot Now you're not cool, guess you were wasabi Blasting off like a rocket hourly Like it's a hobby, win the league like taco All you hear is bravo, call me Johnny I'm a bachelor 
never been to Tommy Johnny. Flow far from your average Joe. So my bitch is bad as Bonnie. Took a tab and dent my mind. Retinals colorized, seeing crystal clear. Crystallized fears near my spine's rear. Staying clear of what's not myself. Mesmerizing mirrors, humbling. Niggas mumbling, they need to hit a deer. Their position's clear. Mine resides in all Poseidon's peers. My career's guided, driven by some gilded gears. Cheers. 215's one big enclosure. How I get my closure? Become a composer. I don't need exposure. But I need a mower, always off the ogre, Shrek with extra odor, about the bullshit, I'm a bulldozer, saying straight face, no I ain't playing poker, me, myself and I, I was born a loner, never had a heart, I'm no ordinary organ donor, rocking the golden fleece, so don't try me, asking God why me, three times wearing wide threes, three minutes, three dots, he's replying, Rappers need to start dying. Boy, I gave you the gift to bust off. Dapper young boss, tough soft toss. So knock that rust off. Remember hard bars by far on the bus stop. Now hider all our stealer. You can't make this bus stop. Depressed in my hut. I admit in a rut. Still living good on the edge like brownie crust. Trying to make a claim to fame. When you make that claim, it's sus. I'm a game changer, run a game breaker, give it up. You impressed her so At peace, never stressed at home Motto is progressor go Heart cold as an Eskimo Damn these niggas desperate I'm a hero like Despero Bully proof and fully grown Gooned up eating escargot Writing like I'm Edgar Poe Got the process of a pro Show you how to flex a flow Records ready, set in stone Think confetti should be thrown Riding through black rims Big blunt like a blimp Balling hard, get a glimpse Well-mannered, natured pimp So I touch her fish Tell that bitch quick, throw her D's on this rich boy Make her turn around cause she know that I got the voice Don't wanna hear you speak, less 10 G's on the invoice 215's one big enclosure, how I get my closure Become a composer, I don't need exposure But I need a mower, always off the ogre Shrek with extra odor, about the bullshit I'm a bulldozer, saying straight face, no I ain't playing poker. Me, myself, and I, I was born a loner, never had a heart. I'm no ordinary organ donor.